What does Harry Potter have to do with being confident in your body? My guest today, Harriet Morris, is going to reveal everything. Harriet believes the health and wellness industry is selling us a toxic truth called guilt, and she's on a mission to help women accept their shape. Join me as I chat with Harriet about the inner food rebel and the Body Confident Project. Welcome to Harriet. Welcome to Off My Duff, the entrepreneur podcast. Off My Duff is all about getting off your backside and finally, making your impact by living your truth. If you are an entrepreneur with a heart to help others, you're in the right place. We chat with guests from seven figures to just starting out because that's how we roll. Off My Duff is the nudge you need to expand your business and slay resistance. So, without further ado, I invite you to get off your duff, and let's get started. Now, here's your host, Duff Gardner. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome today to Off My Duff, the entrepreneur podcast, where we're all about the little guy playing a big game, and I'm very excited today to speak to a new friend of mine, all the way from the UK, uh, Harriet, Mor Harriet Morris. Uh, Harriet um, and I uh, have some fun things to talk to you about um, and some serious things to talk about as well. Just before we get into that, though, I'll just welcome Harriet to the show. Welcome, Harriet, to the show Off My Duff. Hello. Thanks for having me, Duff. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you here. Uh, some people think of the city that I live, Victoria, BC, as little, little England. Um, so I feel like we should be sipping high tea or something while we're having this conversation. <laughs> well, it's funny because uh, everyone outside the UK thinks of us as all having a cup of tea with bowler hats on at 4 p.m. But the fact is that, well, I drink probably about 15 cups of tea a day. So I've got an intravenous drip there and there's no bowler hats in sight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> well, it's wonderful to have you on the show. And, uh, you know, we had a we had a fun interaction recently where we were uh, talking about getting on podcasts and having podcasts. And so you've had a podcast for over three years that uh, you're really proud of called The Eating Coach. How did you get into podcasting? Okay, so for years, I wanted to start my own podcast. Mm -hmm. And I was very frustrated when I'd go to other people's talks, and they would they would say these things that I knew that they'd heard someone else say in a blog, which sounded great, like just set big, hairy, audacious goals. And I was thinking there's so much more to it than that. <laughs> um, and then I had some problems with the technical side, but then I, I persuaded a friend of mine mm -hmm. who had an engineering degree that nice. it would be really good for him to start a podcast. I said, let's do it together. So he got me going on what I needed to know. And basically Duff, I know what I need to know technically and yeah. the rest uh, it's once I'd learned those things um, the rest is it's just it's easy now for me so I absolutely love podcasting I love it too and I think like the fun thing about podcasting is of course you know if you're if you're if you're promoting if you've got a mission behind it which you do um, it's a great vehicle to have all sorts of interesting conversations around that topic. And so the eating coach is the name of your podcast and you have a very specific point of view that we were talking about offline. 
in terms of eating in general. And I think what interested me is that you're very focused on behavior in, in, in the context of, you know, managing weight and what have you. So tell me more about that and how you got started down this path of helping people around this topic. Okay. So, yeah. So where I come from is the idea that the rest of the health and wellness industry, they've got a very, whether they're well-meaning or not, they've got a very toxic truth, which is, it's a lie, I think at the heart of it, which is that let's use guilt and feeling bad to motivate people into change. And I can tell you Duff that there will be pigs flying over the frozen wastelands of hell before guilt and shame ever create real sustainable change. And so that's what I do chiefly when I have clients come to me at the beginning, we neutralize their guilt. So how did I get started? Well, it's a funny story actually, because I, I'm nearly 50 now, but, when I was coming up to 40, I noticed people around me doing strange things for their 40th. My brother, who was quite overweight, started doing running and ended up doing Ironman and everything. Wow. And my sister-in-law, who was very straight-laced, she was doing parachute jumps. I was thinking, what's all this about turning 40? It's just another year. And then when I got to about 38, three quarters, I was like, oh no, I see it. I'm going to turn 40 and one day I will die. That's basically it. So. Right. I remember thinking, I don't want to be compulsive anymore. I, I don't want to be fat and 40, but I really don't want to be compulsive. So I got myself a hypnotic gastric band, okay. <laughs> which is under a hypnotic trance. The hypnotherapist persuades your subconscious that you yeah. have had, uh, you know, an operation to basically shrink your stomach. Wow. And it was amazing for two weeks. I felt my, I felt, could feel this tightness in my stomach. I lost yeah. all interest in food for two weeks. And then it came back the very next day on day 15. Wow. But I remember thinking, Hmm, isn't that interesting? What an interesting thing that I managed that for two weeks, me with my lifelong binge eating, my insane sugar addiction, I managed for two weeks to be not interested in food. I wonder what else my subconscious can do. So it started me down this, this whole uh, adventure of self-exploration. And then I got trained in eating psychology. And so now where I am, I help my clients who they've tried all the diets, they've tried all the gurus, they've tried all these well-meaning sound bites. And I, who overcame my resistance, or should I say moved through resistance? I don't really like the idea of having a battle with your resistance. Right. I help them neutralize their resistance really and guilt. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, as you know, we, we talk about resistance on this show quite often. And so I'm interested in your topic about your, 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 your point of view with respect to resistance. So tell me more about that. Okay. So what I realized was when I, the first thing I did beyond this hypnotherapy was give up sugar. That was the first real challenge that I did completely on my own. And I remember thinking my resistance to giving up sugar is gigantic. I can't beat it. It's like, you know, David and Goliath. And I didn't have, uh, I I didn't have any help. All I had was some curiosity and a burning desire to, to do this. So, so the way I did 
loved it was, you know, that old cliche about how do you eat an elephant? Ironically, I'm sorry, as an eating coach, all of my metaphors have to do with food. How do you eat an elephant in very small chunks? So what I would do, because uh, it was a supermarket, that was the place for me. Every time I'd go to the supermarket, do you know what, Duff? I would magically find myself transported to the dessert aisle, standing oh. in front of the junk. And what I decided to do was just say to myself, can you just delay grabbing hold of the junk for five minutes? Okay. And yep. I came up with a range of strategies to do that. But what happened was that I started training my brain that I could do this for five minutes. And when I walked away, I was doing a deal with myself. It was like, right. just go for five minutes, you can come back. But the fact that I'd actually walked away with no commitment and no pressure, that, that made me feel amazing. And I didn't want to come back. Yeah. Yeah, I think, excuse me, I'm, I, I think that... Uh, what I love about your message is that you give yourself small wins. Like you're really, you're very much rallying against the, um, I forget how you said it, but there's a diet culture. I think you said that involves guilt, shame, these kinds of things. Uh, uh, whereas like forgiving yourself, small steps, celebrating your small wins. It sounds like that's right at the root of how you approach the transformation in your own life. Yeah, absolutely. And I just recently read this book by a Stanford professor that backed up what I said. And I thought, I'm as clever as a Stanford professor. Oh. It was called Tiny Habits by B.J. Fogg. Okay. And what, what he says, he says that the way that you embed a good habit, it's, it's not actually repetition, which I had, uh, I had thought, yeah, I just repeated. I repeated the walking away enough times that it became natural. But actually, he said, it's emotion. He said, if you can give yourself a, a, like a, even a, like a, fist, a fist pump or something like this for doing a tiny, tiny version of the habit you want, that somehow goes into your brain and, and it encourages you. So I think, I think that maybe both things were going on. Uh, I'm sure he knows more than me about the science of habits. But uh, what I know is that... I get really excited for my clients that like, they might say to me, Oh, Harriet, Oh dear. I, I bought, I bought X, Y, and Z junk. Right. And I said, Oh, tell me about it. And they said, yeah, I had, I had three of those. I had three bites and I threw it away. And I'm like, don't you know how amazing that is? <laughs> and so it's about getting excited about the small wins and then you can build on it. I think that's wonderful. And I think like we're, we're filming this episode during obviously sort of right in the middle of COVID. And, um, you know, like I think we've all, a lot of us have, because of all the new things that we're presented with, we're sliding into a lot of habits that don't necessarily serve us. I think the statistics are bearing that out. And so I think, especially I find myself when I'm overwhelmed, I mean, I'll give you an example. I, I just like everybody else, I stop working out. I, I do walk, but I stop doing any kind of working out. And so you lose, you gain a few pounds. And yeah, so it can yeah. be overwhelming if you think it's like uh, this big, huge, hairy challenge. But if you just take these small steps, I know it makes me feel much better. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I think it's such an important message. And you're involved in something called the Body Confidence Project as well, you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, the Body Confident Project. So 
what happened was I, I've been the eating coach for seven years now. It's 2013. I started, um, I, I've been behind my podcasting microphone so long. I thought it's time to make some videos. And I saw myself on video and I was like, Oh no, I hate what I look like. And I thought, but you're the eating coach, Harriet. So I decided to create a project initially for myself to help me accept my shape. And um, what happened was that I, I got clients involved as well, if they were interested, but it start, well, it all started with the question, can I help any woman to start to accept her shape within a month? And the answer to that was yes. Not everybody wanted in, but those of my clients, so this is, and this is for women, I will say this, I'm, me, I'm not saying men don't need this help, but the way I created it was from a woman's point of view. Sure. Um, and what happened was that I have got, a small core of clients who had amazing transformative experiences. I had one client and she's got a, well, they'd be older now, but her daughter was three and she yeah. said she'd never taken a swimming because she was too ashamed to go out in public in a swimsuit. Right. And she, by the end of doing this body confident project, there she was. She said, I tried on my new swimsuit and I took my daughter swimming and she's like, I'm going to make memories with her. And it was, it actually became for her about being this incredible role model for her daughter. And just, yeah, the, the, I did a lot of very interesting things with that. But interestingly enough, I'm, I'm very honest about this. I don't try to set myself up as some perfectionist icon mm -hmm. my body confidence went right down in covid we we all i got compulsive in covid i my gym shut do you know what i mean right. and so now i'm building it up again so it's very much something that we just have to keep keep working on and and actually do you know what have some humility about i think i think that's really important absolutely uh, uh you've hit on something that, like a super interesting topic and i think you know we uh, this the the people who listen to this podcast are generally service-based providers. They're, we're all in business for ourselves. You know, increasingly, we're behind the camera and uh, sitting sitting on our backsides <laughs> for extended <laughs> periods, you know? And so it's not just about getting off your butt and getting into action with your business, but it's actually like getting off your butt and moving around a little bit. We're built to move. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a tough one. Um, are you finding like, as you, as you are working with people during this time of COVID, like, do you, are you finding that their mindset around this, this topic is shifting somewhat, or are you finding any new challenges that you're presented with, with your client base? Are you talking about the topic of being active or just COVID? Um, just in terms of behaviors uh, related to uh, weight and, and your, yeah. your, your brand. Yeah. yeah. Well, Actually, what has been interesting is that I found I've, I've been doing a lot of group coaching during COVID. That okay. was something that was new to me. My reaction to, you know, all of us with small businesses, we were like, ah, what's going to happen? So my reaction was to see if I could see, try my hand at group coaching. And sure. it's been incredibly powerful because I just did small groups. Okay. Uh, what has been really interesting is that the small groups that I've been coaching, they've actually really enjoyed lockdown because it's taken them out of some of the challenges that they've had. Right. Um, and they've been enjoying getting into nature, going for long walks and things like this. So yes, it's been very odd. I can't say that, um, that 
those challenges of all oh, the gym shut. It's been a challenge for me, I will say, but sure. for them, they've they've quite they've quite enjoyed it, and they found that the the lack of stress because they don't have to be, you know, with so many people and so overstimulated. I think that's a big thing for compulsive eaters is that there's so much overstimulation out there and a lot of it has been, has been clawed back during, right. during COVID, but I've had my challenges and I've talked about them on the podcast. So uh, if anybody wants to go and check that out, there's, there's probably some more useful information there. For sure. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because on the one hand, there definitely is spikes in like addictive behaviors um, that's been demonstrated already just a few months in. But on the other hand, it's really simplified life. Mm. So I, I mean, I noticed that even in my hometown here is that, you know, like people are enjoying their family more, they're spending more time getting to know each other, they're appreciating the small things. So mm. it's going to be interesting. I think, sorry, just one no, thing no. that has uh, that, that I've thought about now that they did, they did find challenging was meal planning. So oh. meal planning for compulsives, or I say all of my audience and my clients, I call them recovering compulsives because right. they, that we, we are working in a, a powerful way. Right. that goes beyond what the rest of the uh, wellness, sorry, wellness in um, sure. air quotes there and <laughs> diet uh, industry are doing. Um, but, but what compulsives, compulsives have a fear of structure, oh. but they also need structure. So whereas a, um, a recovering alcoholic can say, hello, I'm Bob, I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic and I haven't had a drink for 10 years somebody who's problems food we can't say that because you need to eat so the answer is structure but it it needs to be structured that's not too rigid or i've got this concept of the inner food rebel right everyone who comes to me is a is a is a food rebel but they just don't know it they think that they're broken and worthless and they have no right. um willpower uh, but I tell them what's happening is there's this interplay between all the deprivation of all the programs they've been on. And then they're in a food rebel going, I'm not going to let you be deprived. And, but the inner food rebel is a little bit like the teenager who's been bullied and decides to respond to the bullying by setting fire to the school. It's a bit too much. (laughs) So what we want to do is calm down that inner food rebel so that they, uh, uh, but give them some structure, but maybe not too much. So what I did a lot, certainly when, I don't know how it is in Canada, lockdown's really easing off in the UK, but when it was at its height, it was really hard, for example, to get a grocery delivery. So that made it quite difficult to do menu planning. So we would just do day after tomorrow menu planning. Can you just plan for the day after tomorrow and take the pressure off? And then people got this incredible feeling of success because they were able to do that. So yeah, I would say meal planning is where people found it difficult. Interesting. Wow. That makes total sense. I think I need better meal planning. <laughs> it's usually like, it's like 5.30, I'm hungry, what do I cook? Um, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Definitely, yeah. Um, and uh, what was I going to say? The, um, I, I love this notion of the food rebel. We talked offline about that. I think it's such a powerful uh, identity that you gift people, um, you know, th- instead of feeling broken, you're a food rebel. I think that's such a powerful, yeah. such a powerful story embedded in that idea. It really is. Uh, yeah. go, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say one of the, one of the 
strategies I encourage my clients to do is I call it opposite action. Yeah. So opposite action is where you get your, your, that rebellious side to, um, to work for you. So, you know, the way that some people who've, um, they, they used to be thieves, they, they go to prison, they do their time and then they become security consultants. Oh yeah. <laughs> so we can get yep. the inner food rebel to do the same thing. So opposite action works like this where you're going along and you're going, right, I've been, I've been eating really well for three days. It's great. And then the, this voice in your head says, oh, well, it's, it's no good anyway. Why don't you just go and have some sugar? Go on, because you're going to fail anyway. Go and have some now. Have some. That, that sort of toxic voice. So the inner food rebel, you can, you can turn it around and you get that rebellious energy to say, okay, I know that voice isn't good, so I'm going to do the opposite of what it's saying, but you only ask it to do a tiny thing. So it's like, okay, that voice is telling you to, to go to the dessert aisle. Again, it's this five minutes thing. Can you just wait five minutes and see it as an act of rebellion? Because there's so much energy in that rebellion and little things like that, um, but done with the right, um, with the right, um, energy rather than I must be a good girl. Most of my clients are women right. and they've been trying to be good girls all their life, even if they're in their forties and fifties. And it's like, that's not always so good. Uh, you're cause you've got the rebel as well. So we need to have a bit of a balance. I love that. That's amazing. Now I'm wondering, because there's one thing that's really interesting about you. I, I sometimes I do ask people what's kind of quirky about them. And I don't think it's necessarily quirky. You actually have a profound relationship to the Harry Potter franchise. Um, it's, it's integral into how you made some big shifts. So I thought that'd be an interesting conversation for the listeners. Yeah. 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 So what happened, what happened with me was I, so I, the sugar, I got off 95% of the sugar that I was eating in, yeah. that was 2012. And then I, I trained in eating psychology 2013. But during this time and the years that have followed, I've had my own struggles with like my identity. And I, I think that's one of the things that my clients like about me is I'll, I'll say, I never say I'm, and I start my podcast saying I can help you be 95% free of binge eating. It's never a hundred percent. And I am compulsive sometimes. So what I found is that standing up to my sugar addiction and not, when you take food away as your life manager, do you know what Duff? You have to manage, you have to manage your life yourself. Oh no. <laughs> I, hear, I hear some people call it adulting. And then I oh. say to them, stop it with that dirty talk. <laughs> so, so anyway, I, I, I was, a, I felt a bit lost without food and it, it didn't feel very good. So you look around and in the world, there's all these gurus and they come up with these very, I find them very fluffy insubstantial sound bites like, just forgive and fail fast and this sort of thing. And it didn't help me. I was like, but I feel awful. So um, what I found about Harry, basically what I think Harry Potter is, I think it's this incredible metaphor for dealing with trauma. So he has the awful trauma from when he's a baby and then he's orphaned and he gets treated awfully by his muggle relatives. Right. He goes to Hogwarts and he's powerful, but then more trauma happens to him. And sometimes it feels like he's, I remember Daniel Radcliffe saying, 
Harry is a very lonely character. And there's been times when I have felt very lonely and there was nobody, I had nobody to give me any solace, but I did have that character. So it was like I could walk along with Harry as I was reading the books while he faced these awful things and he faced them alone. And there is a certain loneliness there that I have felt myself. And so it's been incredible for me. And I still, I'm still like this afternoon, I started listening to the half blood prince, sorry, the half blood prince. Um, <laughs> and I still, I still love it as an incredible metaphor. Wow. Yeah. I love that. Um, for me, I'm trying, was, as you were talking, I was trying to think of what, what movie resonates most with me. I'm going to have to keep thinking about that one, but I, I love that story. I think a lot of us, we need characters. They help us pull us out of, uh, the way we're thinking about things and give us a freedom yeah. to kind of imagine and dream in a different way. Yeah. And um, also I, I remember, sorry to yeah. interrupt, but no, no, when I was really compulsive, um, I remember I had no heroes. I would look at like um, in the mid eighties, I was yeah. a teenager in the eighties and there was the whole band aid thing and um, feed the world and everything like that. And my friend, my best friend was reading Bob Geldof's autobiography. You know, he started Band-Aid and everything. And I remember thinking, yeah, he, I should feel like really inspired by him, but I I had nobody because I felt very isolated with my compulsion. So maybe there's a part of me because he's a teenager. I'm, I'm finding my heroes at last. And it's like, now I'm in the work that I've done, moving through not overcoming my compulsion right i'm 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 finding those heroes and heroines uh now but it's so have you got have you got any heroes or heroines stuff i don't know that's what i gotta think about you're putting yeah, me on the spot no, i am no putting on the spot. sorry <laughs> sorry it's <laughs> <That's> okay <laughs> but it's a good question because i think that's what we need in fact, it kind of leads me to my next question I was going to ask you. Like, there's there's always something that we want to transfer onto others. Uh, I think of it as like your number one insight you've learned and all your journeys and steps that you've... So if, if you were to, to, to give somebody that number one insight that you've learned in your, your, your process, what would you say? I would say it's that you're not broken. I know it, I know it sounds like, Um, a very obvious thing to say but people do feel broken and I would say instead of trying to just follow what someone else says experiment because you could do an experiment Mm. for two minutes for three minutes and the great thing about an experiment is there's no failure or success it will give you data now it might give you data that you don't like but data it will give you and I think that that was how I managed. Like when I gave up sugar, I was just starting with one month. I was in real hell. It, yeah. it, it was really unbalancing my uh, mental state and my hormones and everything. And I just thought, I'll just try one month. If you'd have told me you won't, you will be 95% down for the rest of your life, I would have run away. <laughs> but exper- you need to take the pressure off. So sorry, it's a bit of a long answer. <laughs> no, that's actually brilliant. I'm aligned 100% with that. Like if more of us learned, took the pressure off and practiced, experimented, as you say, we take the pressure okay. off, we get some information. And to be honest, that's really the way to grow your business is to, I, I talk about iterating your way to success. Absolutely. You yeah, know, yeah. It's, it's yeah. really, really important. I want to make sure to um, 
point people in the right direction. Um, now you're giving away a free gift. Uh, I'm going to give away the URL here. It'll be in the show notes, but I'm going to say it as well. It's the shiftinside.com forward slash gift. The shiftinside.com forward slash gift. And if you go there, Harriet uh, has a special gift for you that uh, I think you guys will really enjoy. Um, man, it's been so refreshing to talk to you. Um, it feels like it's one of those, it's a box of chocolates. You don't know what you're going to get moments for me. <laughs> uh, I love, I, can I just say the irony of your metaphor is beautiful stuff. <laughs> <laughs> True, right? <laughs> sugar-free, but you know, yeah. Yeah, sugar-free chocolate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it's it's been fantastic because I think what's interesting about our conversation is you're your, 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 you know, like for entrepreneurs, this is an important thing to think about, um, to think about your own health and your, your relationship to your body and everything. And I think your message is brilliant. So thank you for being on the show today, Harriet. Well, thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Duff. Thank you so much for showing up all the way from the UK. And I'm sure we'll talk afterwards and I can te tease you all about tea and all that kind of stuff. And you can tease <laughs> me all about uh, moose and mounties and all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> I wanted to thank all the listeners for coming to our show today. As always, it's fabulous to have you. And I appreciate my guest today, Harriet Morris. And as you go out into the world and make the impact that you want, I want you to remember one thing, teach what you love, live from your truth. I'm Duff Gardner. I'll see you next episode. Hey everyone, I'm Duff Gardner, and you've been listening to my show, Off My Duff, the Entrepreneur Podcast, where we're all about getting off your backside and making your impact by living your truth. If you're like me and you're an entrepreneur with a heart to help others, you need an offer that sells. An offer that sells helps you get traction with your business more sales, more clients, more gigs, more fans, and more deals, period. And here's what I believe. Your offer is the purest expression of your truth. So that's why I've created a free ebook, Offers That Sell, the eight-step revenue breakthrough system. Simply go to offersthatsell.com forward slash book to grab your free copy, and you can even follow it up with a chat with me, should you wish. It's been wonderful to have you here with us today. And as you get off your backside to make your impact on the world, remember one thing, teach what you love, live from your truth. I'm Duff Gardner. See you next time. Bye now.